Thank you so much, worship choir. Friends, it's good to be with you in worship. My name is Adam. If we haven't met, it's my joy to be one of the pastors at our church. I want to also shout out everybody who is online worshiping or who will experience this message later on this week on our website or a part of our podcast. I wonder if you've ever had a CPR training, maybe at your job or Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or something like that. Usually it's kind of something people roll their eyes at. And I have a couple of vivid memories from a CPR training I attended, and it was during the explanation of the automated external defibrillator, which is the machine that'll shock someone's heart back into function. We have one in the lobby, by the way. And the instructor was saying that in the kit for the AED, that's the kind of the short name for them, there is a razor included because you have to have a close uh, uh, contact between the pad and the person's chest. And so there's a razor included in case the patient or the one needing care has a hairy chest. You got to shave that off real quick. And I could feel the gaze of everyone in my office slowly turning my way as they imagined me on the ground and having to shave me. And uh, it was quite traumatizing, actually. Uh, but luckily, that's not the only thing I remember from CPR training. Another, uh, I think, just great kind of three-step process that the Red Cross talks about is when, what to do when to offer first aid. And it's check, call, and care. Maybe you've heard this before. It's brilliant. First, you check to make sure the area is safe or that the person that's injured isn't going to be injured further. Then you call for help, either you directly if you're alone or you tell someone else to call 911 so that help can be on the way. And then you administer CPR or you administer first aid to the person who is in need. Check, call, and care. I want to follow this theme to close out our sermon series called What's Next? And today our subject is what's next after crisis. There's one thing I've learned over 22 years of ministry. One thing I know for sure. We have no idea what people are going through. I, I'm just convinced. As a pastor, I know about this much sometimes of what people are going through. But we really just have no idea what people have been through or are going through. And one of the best ways to help in a crisis is pointing people towards the best resource and most experienced experts. And so for this message, I've consulted two such experts. I think you'll probably know at least one of them. Sherry Oxendale, a lot of us will know anyway, served as a pastor here for many years. And she continues to do ministry, just looks a little different, as a counselor full-time now. And another is Amy Thompson. And she's also a counselor, and she's one of the leaders in our Missouri conference, our uh, collection of Methodist churches in Missouri. And so I asked these two counselors, what are some of the most common crises that are most prevalent that they see in their work as counselors? And they talked about the death of a loved one, uh, an unfaithful spouse, abuse of all kinds, debt, divorce, ongoing medical issues, substance abuse issues, and the loss of a job. We could certainly make a longer list, but these were the ones they see most often, they said. And then I asked them, what are some sneakier crises? Maybe some things that uh, people deal with a lot, but don't always recognize that that's what they're dealing with. They talked about excessive feelings of guilt, unresolved grief, an intense feeling of being alone, and the loss of a sense of purpose. 
Again, there's plenty more things we could name, but as we explore what's next after our crisis, we're gonna get more great input from our counselors. This also is not a, just a counseling seminar. This is a sermon. And so we're gonna ask what Jesus has to say about these things as well. And so what I hope we'll discover together as we study God's word is that Jesus invites us to receive help and sends us out to offer help. We're gonna be reading today from the book of Matthew and these are some of Jesus' most treasured words. Matthew was written as a biography of Jesus to tell us about his life and his teachings and Jesus' death and his resurrection. And these books are called gospels because that's a word that means good news. And so part of the good news today is that whatever crises you've been through or are in or will be in, that you don't have to go through it alone. So let's hear these words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I'd like to read that again. And if you'll indulge me, I'd invite all of us online here in the, in the sanctuary to take a deep breath and to receive these words of Christ for you today. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Come to me, Jesus said. This is an invitation. Jesus' entire mission was to enter into our mortal predicament and to offer us a better way. He invites all who are weary and heavy burdened. Jesus sees the things that you've been subjected to, and he sees the things you subject yourself to. Jesus came to relieve us of those burdens. Some of his harshest criticism of his religious contemporaries was the following was towards the people who load people down with burdens they can hardly carry. And you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Jesus said he came to do the opposite. To free people of burdens, not add to them. He says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. We find rest from our burdens outside of ourselves. It's something that's given to us. It's not something we can typically provide or find ourselves on our own. St. Augustine famously said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Only God can provide the true rest that our souls need. Not only inviting us to be freed from the burdens we face and rest in that, but also resting in freedom from sin. Jesus continues, Take my yoke upon you. A yoke is the wooden apparatus. It's this harness used to tie two oxen together when they work, typically plowing a field. Over the centuries, it also became a term that was meant or used towards the teaching of a rabbi. A rabbi's teaching was their yoke. And so if you sat under a certain teacher 
under a rabbi, you were taking their yoke upon yourself. That they would steer you in the right way to go. Some of this imagery uh, is present in the stoles that pastors wear. Right? That, that when you're ordained, you take on this yoke and that Jesus would steer you as you teach. It's a powerful image. One of my prized possessions is this. I felt real official carrying this in today. I thought it was very effective when the chains rattled. This is an antique yoke. And it was given to me by someone in our church after a particularly tough time they faced. And they told me that the church helped them bear the burden and it reminded them of the scripture. And I've actually been told that it goes this way. I've been labeled a city boy. <laughs> Whatever. I just like parking. Is that so bad? Ample parking space. Um, but I, just, I keep this in my office, this antique yoke, and it's a reminder that we don't have to bear our burdens alone. When Jesus says, my yoke is easy, I think what he means by that is, it's not complicated. Right? That Jesus boiled it down to two pretty broad, but pretty understandable things. What was Jesus teaching? To love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. A child can understand that. Now, simple to understand, much more difficult to do, isn't it? But Jesus' yoke is, is not complicated. And that's why, even though it's easy to understand, much harder to do, that's why he said he gave us the invitation to learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And in learning from Jesus, we will find rest for our souls. And so our next series is all about learning from Jesus, understanding what he did and how to pattern our lives after his I'd recommend the book Practicing the Way by John Mark Comer. If you're somebody who likes to work ahead, we're going to use this book as the basis for our series starting February 18th. Jesus invites us to receive help from him. I love the image of the yoke because to me it's got a double meaning. It can mean Jesus is steering us just like a farmer directs the oxen that are working, but it also means that Jesus is yoked together with us that we share that yoke with him, that he's side by side helping to shoulder our burdens. And so what I'd love to do is, is step one of check, call, care. Let's check in with ourselves. Keith told me first service, I forgot to say all that, and I just said, check yourself. So you can tell somebody that's what the sermon was about. Check yourself. Are you weary? Check in just internally. This is rhetorical, of course. But are you heavy burdened? I got some of the signs of weariness from our counseling friends. Disrupted sleep, too much or too little. Changes in eating habits, too much or too little. Hyperreactivity, just kind of being short with people, right? Indecision or difficulty concentrating. Feeling anxious or angry, irritable, or just being overwhelmed. You also might experience weariness physically in your body, sweaty palms or, or a headache or, or uh, maybe tension in your chest or your shoulders, your neck or your back. Maybe you, maybe you do some of these. Tap in the foot, right? Sermon's getting a little long. When we going <laughs> to, right? Luckily, I can't see your feet, most of you, so that's good. 
right? And so you may, you may be well aware of these signs of weariness, or you may be so accustomed to crisis, you don't even notice this anymore. And so I wanted somebody to say, if this describes our day-to-day living, that is not how God intends for us to live. And sometimes we've just been so inundated, we've gotten used to the new normal. And so now that we've checked with ourselves, are we weary or burdened? Well, what does the Red Cross say the next step is? To call. How can we call upon God in a time of crisis? We can allow Jesus to give us rest by shouldering our burdens with him. I asked Amy and Sherry, how can we approach God in the midst of a crisis? Great input. Sherry said, give real time to God. She emphasized that real time. Tell God exactly how you feel. Read from the Bible. If you don't know where to start, start with Psalm 91. Pray for others involved in the crisis and pray for yourself. Amy said that breathing is one of the best tools to use when in distress. Deep breathing allows the body to regulate and this can prepare us for time with God. Then she gives us a good reminder. Prayer is a powerful tool, but our request to God may or may not always be answered in the way that we want. It doesn't mean that God isn't listening or answering. And again, we'll be walking through several practices to connect with God over the next several weeks. I also think many times the help that God provides comes through other people. That's been my experience. And so if you're in crisis, we as a church want you to know you can call upon the church. Every week we have prayer requests sent out and it goes uh, through our faith community who signed up to receive those so that we can be praying for you. You can find that on our main website. We've tried to make that easy to find. So if you go to carney.church and scroll down, you're going to be able to see this, this link. And you can let the church know what your need is, what your burden is, what you're struggling with. And then that sets off a whole chain reaction of responses. Everything from a follow-up with a card or a visit if that's necessary. We've tried to make that easy to find so you can communicate with the church what's going on. We also have support groups at our church. These are very important. We have Alcoholics Anonymous for folks who are dealing with addiction to alcohol. We have a grief support group. We typically think of grief as having lost someone through a death, but grief can look a whole lot of ways, and any type of loss is something that can be grieved. And so that's, that's an incredible support group that is so needed. We have a group specifically about triumphing over trauma to go much, much deeper than we will in this message on what healing looks like. We have an Alzheimer's support group, and that's for folks who are caregivers of someone with Alzheimer's. And that group has launched so well within the last year, I think we're going to need to find another night to have another one because the need is so great. We have a group to support parents and adults with LGBT loved ones, and we call it We're Here. That's a funny name for a group, isn't it? Well... It's because we're very specific about what we're here for and what we're not here for. We're here to focus on support and providing a safe place to share. We're here to love and we're here to listen. We're not here to criticize. We're not here to debate theology. We're not here to gossip. We have care ministers who can pray with you and listen to you and be a sounding board as you recover from crisis. I hope you heard a little bit about that on the video today. But after service... We've got folks in the lobby at the, help, at the welcome desk. Help desk was in St. Louis, sorry. 
getting I'm, I'm flashbacks from my AED training. I'm sorry. We've got folks at the welcome desk in our lobby that would love to talk with you more about this, both if you're interested in receiving help or if you're interested in giving help. And I'll talk about that in a moment here. We can also refer you as a church to professionals who are better trained and to give you the best help that you need. BeaconMentalHealth.org is a great resource right here close to home. I believe it's formerly known as Tri-County Mental Health. I'd also suggest to you to check out if your company or your employer has an employee assistance program, an EAP. That's different than the AED. But employers will have programs set up to get you in touch with counselors or other types of mental help that you could need. So I'd encourage you to check in with yourself and then to call upon God for care. And gentlemen, I want to speak to us specifically for a moment because I'm not sure we're real good at this. Even if we're aware of it, we may not ask a whole lot of folks for help. So I just want to encourage you that there's nothing masculine or manly about pretending nothing is wrong. We need help in order to be the best man that God designed us to be or the best spouse or the best parent or the best employer, the best boss, the best employee, the best human that God designed us to be. So this is a message for all of us. So check in with ourselves and then call upon Jesus for help, both in our own spiritual practices and in the ways that God can help provide help through the church community and through mental health professionals. And so finally, what's next after crisis? We've gone through check, we've gone through call, and finally it's care. My favorite author, my favorite pastor, Eugene Peterson said, most people are not in crisis most of the time. And so for those of us that are not currently in crisis, we can help care for others. Jesus invites us not only to receive help, but also sends us out to offer help to others. In Matthew 25, Jesus is speaking to folks, and they really didn't know who they were dealing with. It's a wild passage to read. This is what he tells them. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So sometimes, when other folks are in crisis, we aren't always sure what to do. And so we don't want to say or do the wrong things. And so sometimes it might seem more caring to do nothing. But I'd, I'd, I'd like to gently encourage us to think of it differently. I want to offer us three ways to give care. And the first is simply to communicate your care, to communicate it. Friends, you don't have to have magic words. As a pastor, if I had some magic words, I'd, I'd have put them on the screen for you. I'd have said, write this down. I would have made you a bookmark. There are, there are no magic words. You don't have to solve the problem. Let me relieve you of the burden of providing the solution to your friend or loved one or whoever that's in crisis. You don't have to solve the problem. We are solutions-oriented people. We want to help. Well, sometimes that's not going to look the way we, we would like in terms of providing a solution. Friends, remember, Jesus said, I was sick and you look after me. Not, I was sick and you cured me. 
You see the difference? Isn't that good news? That you don't have to have the burden of providing a cure? I'm here to tell you, that's not always our role. And you'll never regret showing up and showing and communicating care for someone. Both Amy and Sherry said that folks in crisis need people who will truly listen to them. That's what our care ministers are trained to do. You don't have to have the solution, friends. You can simply show up and listen. My dad used to say 80% of ministry is just showing up. And so you don't have to worry about what to say. Because you've already said most of what you need to just by showing up. So I want to encourage you to, to, to drop this concept that you have to provide some solution or just the right words. Communicate your care. Now beyond that, both our counselors encouraged asking to take care of a very specific need. Can I bring you dinner on Tuesday? Very specific. This is much different than, gosh, how can we help? Right, like if we want to care for someone, we want to take burdens away from them, not give them the burden of thinking of something for us to do. And I, feel, I hope I'm not feeling like I'm yelling at you. I just, the Coke Zero is finally kicking in here, okay? <laughs> this is so, so important, and I think this is well-intended, right? Gosh, how can we help? Well, my suggestion would be offer something intensely practical and very time-based. Can I make sure your lawn gets mowed this week? Oh, that'd be great. Right? Imagine if you saw someone and they fell and like were bleeding and you came up to them and were like, have you changed the water filter in your refrigerator? <laughs> like imagine their face, they'd be like, what? what? <laughs> well, let's not do that to people in other situations. Right? Something intensely practical is always helpful. Direct, practical, helpful. And we can find joy in caring for others. And Jesus tells us that when we do, it's like we're doing it for him, directly. Jesus also can help us bear the burdens we help others bear. And so now the yoke is three wide. I love this image. A person in crisis, and Jesus helping shoulder their burden, and Jesus helping us, helping them shoulder their burden. If we want to step into care, Communicate it first. Don't be afraid to take that first step and relieve yourself of having the magic words. Next, fill a very specific need. And finally, offer care from your scars, not your wounds. That's a great image I picked up from somewhere uh, because if we have not fully healed from something, it's gonna be difficult to help others, especially with that same issue, whatever it could be. There may be times a situation is too close or too raw for us to be able to care from a place of health. But what I have found is that with time and healing, when we can show care from our scars, from those wounds that have healed, it's a very powerful thing. All of those support groups I mentioned, all of them were started by someone who had a passion for this because they went through it and want to see someone else be healed as well. All of them. When those wounds have healed and become scars, it's a powerful witness to God's work in our lives and we can offer that to others. So if you have a passion for caring for others, we wanna resource you to be able to help care. 
That's part of what it means to grow together in faith and go serve the world in Jesus' name. In worship, hopefully, that's where we're coming to know Christ better, right? We read from the scripture, we pray together, we offer God worship together. But friends, that's the starting line of faith, not the finish line. When the church is at its best, at our very best, we are being the hands and feet of Christ for one another and to the world. Jesus invites us to both receive help and sends us out to offer help. I mentioned when I had that CPR training that you know people in the office were kind of like, uh, I guess why we got to do this? I don't know if a lot of people are excited about that. And it's kind of like, gosh, when, when are you ever going to need that? Well, I think that's how a lot of people feel about church. Oh, we got to go. People still do that? Why, why don't... I get asked with some regularity, and they're a little embarrassed, so what do you do when it's not Sunday, like for your job? <laughs> and they've already apologized for cursing, so we've, we've gotten over that. I, I'm, I'm here to tell you, when people are in crisis, there's nothing better than the church operating as it should. People having real needs met with the real love of Christ. Just ask the hundreds of people who rolled through here this last week. And we're not done with funerals this week either. Very tough week in our city. And it's always a tough week in the life of our church when someone passes. And I'm here to tell you, a lot of folks think church might be irrelevant. In crisis, I don't think anything could be more relevant. My prayer is that we'll continue to be yoked together with Jesus as we walk alongside people, not just in immediate crisis, but even long after the dust settles. I hope you'll receive Christ's double invitation to ease your burden, take up his yoke, and to find rest, and to help someone else experience the same thing through you. If you are in need of some care or if you are interested in finding out anything about offering some care, I cannot stress enough, please come see the folks at the welcome desk after service. Friends, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And everybody said, Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today, for the chance to be together in your presence. God, we've come expecting an experience, an encounter with your Holy Spirit. And so I ask that whatever it is we need today, that you would provide it as we worship you. God, I don't know what each of us shoulder. I don't know what our burdens are that we bring in with us. But God, I know that you do. So in these moments, we ask that you would help us to let you help shoulder those burdens, that we would be reminded that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And then as we worship you, and as we leave this place, you would provide the rest that we can only get from you. God, help us to not only look to you for care for our souls, for care during times of crisis, but help, help us to offer the same to our brothers and sisters, both in this church and in the world that we leave here to go serve. It is in your son's precious name that we pray. Amen.